Um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get to work. This, <laughs> what I'm going to cover with you this morning, uh, it may be a mistake. I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of, put this as sweetly as I can, a lot of pastors think people can't handle information. And so what they, what they do is, is they'll, let, let's say the average brain capacity is here in terms of the ability to understand or intake information. Uh, they'll preach on purpose here because the assumption is that maybe people have a tough time grasping information. Now, in their defense, maybe the reason they do that is because it's difficult to teach information at this level. And I'm not saying this morning that I'm qualified to do that. Uh, I, I, you know, my, my gift set would be to just try to swing for the fence and just confuse everybody and <laughs> lose the whole game. And so, uh, let, me, let me just, I, I rarely do this, but let me just give you a couple of caveats to today's message. If nothing makes sense, please come back next week because the, 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 the content smooths out, okay? Um, but then the second thing is, is if some stuff just goes over your head, that's okay. Keep coming, okay? Just keep coming because the way we learn is here a little, there a little. It's, uh, we study the Bible, here a little, there a little. It's by comparing scripture with scripture. It's, it's as we study it, line upon line, line upon line. And so it's okay to come to a service and have some of the stuff go over your head that's all right, you keep coming, you keep coming with an open Bible and an open heart, a willing mind, a ready mind, and, and you keep studying to show yourself approved unto God, and you will be able to rightly divide the word of truth. You're gonna get a hold, you're gonna get a handle on doctrine, you're gonna know the book, you're gonna know how to use it in the lives of people, because that's the will of God for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not supposed to go through life clueless, you're supposed to know his word, amen? And so we're gonna pray because I, I do have the ability to just confuse everything. <laughs> and so we'll just ask God for his mercy on that. Um, and well, Eric, we'll just see what happens, all right? Um, pray for me, I'll lead us in prayer and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll seek the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, your word is clear. There are things that we can't see clearly because it's not time. And it's frankly none of our business. But, but Lord, you give us what we need, and you have absolutely blown our minds with the magnitude, your ability, the work, your majesty of creation. It's, it's, it's incredible. And uh, Lord, we see the reality of spiritual warfare from the beginning. And Lord, we, we want to we want to study right now. We want to have willing minds. We want to be able to take in your word and, 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 and not just see the, the details of what it's describing, but Lord, what your word is speaking to our hearts and our lives this morning. And so God, again, I just ask that you would open our understanding. God, please have mercy on me uh, and just set me the, the weakness of my flesh, my stumbling lips, that you just set all of that aside and that God, through the power of your word, Lord, under the, the, the convicting work, the instructing work of your Holy Spirit, that God, you just have your way with us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we, just a little bit, you know, repetition is the price of learning, and so just quick review. Genesis 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then verse two, and the earth was without form and void. And what we spent the last couple of weeks doing is seeing that we, you know, we know we have to place the fall of Satan chronologically somewhere between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 3-1. And so, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at all the reasons for why if you'll put, your, if you'll put the fall of Satan right there between verse one, Genesis chapter one, verse one, and verse two, then all your cross-references make sense. Because in Isaiah 45-18, God says, I didn't create it formless and void. Uh, I didn't, the, the way you see it in Genesis 1-2, that's not how I did it. And then we ran the cross-references and you say, prove it, Pastor. Well, I did over the last two weeks. So go online and, and, um, uh, and you can get caught up there. But that will, that'll make passages like Jeremiah chapter 4 and John chapter 1 make a whole lot more sense 
Uh, the Bible's cluing us in, and we're not doing that to make space for theistic evolution. We're literally talking about six creative days, six 24-hour time periods. That's what we're describing in the Word of God. Darkness is upon the face of the deep, verse two says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, so we're reviewing, but I don't know how else to put it, but, but this way, uh, are you, well, turn to your neighbor and just ask him, are you ready to get trippy in the Bible? I mean, it's, this is some, this is, this is gonna be a trip, man. Okay, so there's just some things, I believe the Bible, and I, and unless it's showing me how not to take it literally, it just says what it means, it means what it says, and, and by studying the Word of God, we can find out a few just amazing things, and here we go. Number one, the earth is unique, okay? There is no celestial body like this body, and I'm not talking about this one behind the pulpit. It's over, no, the body, the rock we're living on, there's no celestial body like planet Earth. We know by looking at chapter one, because the creation of the cosmos doesn't come till verse 16, we know that the earth itself is the oldest planetary, it's the oldest celestial body in the universe. How do I know that? Well, my Bible tells me so. We're gonna see the proof in that in day four. So it's the oldest thing. This planet is the oldest thing in the universe. And we know in the beginning, the earth is unique of all celestial bodies where God in verse 16 will see him speak the cosmos into existence, he built this planet. There's something special about planet Earth. Uh, in, in Genesis one, we're seeing some, some insights, some hints into the Earth's construction, but in making the Earth, as you study the scripture, compare scripture with scripture, you find out that it's unique and that it has foundations. It was built, this planet, from the foundations up. I'm reminded of the movie, um, what's the, ah, I just, I'm reminded of the movie, not the title. Uh, what's the one where they're gonna make a super highway through our solar system and Earth's gotta be destroyed? Uh, Adams wrote the book. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, and, they're t and, they, and then toward the end of the movie, you see where they're building planets, you know, in the, the planet factory. Uh, this planet was built from the, from the cornerstone up. That's what you find when you study the Bible. And I give you some cross-references for there to get you started, but just let's point out a couple. Isaiah 48, verse 12. God is calling to his people, and he gives the example of his power in verse 13. He says, mine hand also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Heaven and earth can stand up together. We'll look, uh, I don't understand all of that, but I can see glimpses of it. And I think you can too. Job chapter 38, Job got a little lippy with God and God straightened him out. And he's just asking him a few questions that are designed to small Job in his own eyes. And so the Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind and who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Boy, you don't know what you're talking about. You should have shut up, but I'm gonna train you up. Look at this, verse three. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee. Answer thou me, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Nope. <laughs> I'll just shut up and let you talk, Lord. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon the foundations thereof, uh, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof. This planet has a cornerstone, it has foundations, it is something that God built. Mars, he spoke into existence, but the earth, he built it from the foundation up. Where were you, Job, when the angels were rejoicing? Verse seven, and this, all the sons of God shouting together, right? Verse eight, or who shut up the sea with doors? Now that's interesting. There is a body of water with limits when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb. And again, we're talking about in the beginning, right? That's what God's describing here. And so this body of water broke out like, a, like it broke out of a womb. Where were you, verse nine, when I made the cloud? the garment thereof. So the, 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 the creation is clothed in a cloud. It has a garment. And thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break up 
and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors. <clears throat> there are access points in this planet. It has a bottomless pit. Have you ever read the end of Revelation? I mean, this planet is unique. And said, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here thy proud waves shall be stayed. Now what we see in verse one is the earth and heaven, and notice heaven is in the singular, it's not in the plural. In the beginning God created the heaven, singular, and the earth, and they're together. And what we find by comparing scripture and scripture is heaven and earth are together in verse one, and they're before, in the beginning of creation, this thing called the deep. And you say, how do I know that? Well, let's, let's look at the Bible. You know, in, in the, the, the last couple of weeks, we saw Satan's fall. And we find out now in verse two, as a result of Satan's fall, that the earth is now formless and void, and darkness is upon the face of the deep. And what we're gonna see is that somehow this earth that never should have been moved, this planet that should have been created to be formed and inhabited, it should have been that way forever, but here is Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covers the throne, the glory of God is, refl is reflecting and refracting through him. He is creation's first worship leader. He gets full of himself. We read about that in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and he thinks it's, it's the spirit of Antichrist is born. He thinks that he should stand in the place of God as God, showing himself that he is God. And then everything got wrecked. God hit the, the restart button and what we find out is that the earth is plunged into the deep. It is a cataclysmic judgment. Today we're gonna see the heaven separated into heavens and we're gonna see that emerge on day two. So Satan fell, the earth is moved in cataclysm. You say prove it. Well, I don't know exactly what that looks like but the Bible gives us hints. Psalms chapter 104. Uh, here we see praise and worship to the Lord. Thou art clothed in honor and majesty. Who, God, who, verse two, coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Watch this now. Who stretcheth out the heavens like a kermit, uh, kermit, like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. Who maketh the, the clouds his chariot. So you've got this, this deep and there's, there's beams laid in that and this becomes a, there, there, there's, a, there's a foundation for Mount Zion, as it were. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers flaming fire. Watch this now, verse five. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever. So file that phrase away in the back of your mind. When God laid the foundation for the earth, when he built the earth, it was to be established forever. Uh, when you study this out later, Make sure you check out Psalm 102, verses 25 and 28. Did that get into your handout? Is that in your notes? Psalm 102? Uh, so check that out. So it's not supposed to move yet. Verse six says, thou coverest it. What are we talking about? The earth, the foundations of the earth, the beginning of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. Yet, verse six, thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. And we'll see that this morning. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. This is what we saw last week in 2 Peter when we did the review from 2 Peter chapter three. In verses five and six, people are saying, you know, the Lord's coming back, really? <laughs> the world just continues like it always did. And what Peter says is they're ignorant about the judgment at the beginning of creation. And then he describes it. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that the, world, the word of God that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. I mean, we're literally talking about a, a bobber in the lake, okay? That's what we're talking about here. The earth is in the water, and out of the, out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. You say, well, that's Genesis chapter six, and we talked about all of that. No, eight souls were saved in the flood of Genesis chapter six. This is a complete cataclysm that produces Genesis 1 verse 2. Again, you can review that uh, from our website and check out the messages from the last couple of weeks. So now verse two, darkness and water are covering the earth. Psalms 82, five. Uh, they walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. 
What should not have been moved was moved. Psalms 18, verse 7, the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills moved and were shaken. Why? Because God was wroth. God was exercising judgment. So it wasn't supposed to be moved, yet God lets his creation make a choice. Lucifer is not a robot. He's not He's not damned to an eternity of loving God with all of his heart, his mind, his soul, and his strength. He has the opportunity to generate a spirit of antichrist where he can say, I will be like the most high. What God has, I'll have. What belongs to God alone, I will take for myself, and I'll stand in the place of God as God, showing myself that I am God. And you say, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Billions of people do the same thing every day right here on planet Earth. Stand in the place of God as God, They want to be their own God. They don't want to humble themselves before the living God. So the earth in Isaiah 45, 18 was not created formless and void, yet that's what happened. And just because, right, we see God's heart, we know that God is not willing that any perish, right? He's not willing to leave the earth itself formless and void. Many will perish because they have a free will. But God is not willing that any would perish, and so God's always moving, he's always pursuing restoration. Uh, Thank God he gave me free will. Thank God I could give my life to Christ. Thank God I could willingly come out of the darkness of my sin and my depravity and just humble myself at the foot of Calvary. When When God gave us Jesus, okay, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the problem is men don't come to the light because that's where our deeds will be reproved. In the light of God's truth, we find out our rebellion. We find out our sin. We find out the wickedness that keeps us separate from God, don't we? But what what an incredible thing whenever we come to Calvary and we humble ourselves and say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and life and save me. To come out of the darkness and into God's light, man, that's everything. Okay, so in verse one, Let's, uh, let's uh, see if we can doodle what we got so far. It's not on the back screen, so I don't know if that's, uh, if that's still doable, Tad, but, but um, okay. We'll let, we'll, let's not worry about the back screen. Let's, let's get that shrunk down. Okay, so here's what, we're gonna, here's what we're gonna see so far. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, whoops, I'm drawing on it. There we go, okay, so in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so what we've got is heaven and earth together. And this area that I've got drawn below heaven and earth, and I don't, I don't know where everything fit, I don't know the, the, the perfect layout, but it's gonna be something generally like this. What do we got? We've got this body of water called the deep, right? And this is before the throne of God. And you remember in it, there are beams, okay? And in it is this place called, but before it, right? Before the throne of God. Uh, You know, I probably ought to to draw this a little bit better, you know, because the face of that deep is frozen. Does Does that white show up? Not really. Let's make it gray and we'll pretend it's white. So the face is frozen. That's white, y'all. The face is frozen, it's a sea of glass, okay? And so what happens is, is in this point of rebellion, okay, heaven and earth are together, verse one, Satan rebels after verse one, uh, the cataclysm takes place and then the earth is plunged into the deep. Do you see that? Oh, I, I, I brought the, the surface of the water with me. That's okay, I can draw more. I can draw more, here we go. Okay, so is everybody with me on that? You see what, again, you're gonna have to forgive my art skills, but I'm just rejoicing that the doodler works now. Praise the Lord. More doodles, man, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so kind of fix that, that's where we're at here, and darkness is upon the, oh, now it's not white anymore, that's darkness on the face of the deep. Here, we can even draw it a little bit better, do one of those things. Okay, so. The earth is now formless and void and darkness is on the face of the deep. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so let's shift gears. Today, what I want us to see is the separation. That's your next blank. 
of the earth from the top of creation to the bottom. Why did I say it that way? Well, there's probably a better way to say it, I'm just not sure. But we're gonna, what we're gonna see is we're gonna see a separation of those waters. And we're gonna see the, the, the Mount Zion, uh, Deus again would call it something like Asgard. If you ever watched a Marvel movie, you kinda can get that picture. Mount Zion, the size of the north. And there is the deep, the face of that deep is frozen, what's what we're gonna see. And we're gonna see now a space made in that deep in which the whole cosmos fits into. And then we'll see waters on the earth. Why? So you can go fishing, that's why. And you wanna drink, so that, that, that'll all hopefully make sense. Okay, so let's look at this separation that takes place. Isaiah 66.1 describes it this way, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Psalms 99 verse one describes it this way, the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He setteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Isaiah 24, 19, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. Now remember, it wasn't supposed to be that way. It, it was not supposed to be moved, but it's moved exceedingly. And then it uses the word clean dissolved. I mean, Isaiah 24, 19's got double application, doesn't it? Because remember we see in the final judgment, the earth will be dissolved. The elements will melt with fervent heat, okay? so. Um, whatever happened in Genesis 1 verse 2 is nothing compared to what happens in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. Okay, so why is the earth now submerged in the deep? Again, we looked at that reason, Lucifer's fall. We saw that over the last two weeks. But then last week, okay, let's wrap up the review. You said, Pastor, you took the whole preaching time reviewing. You're gonna get it down, so help me God. Okay, so last week we saw the beginning of restoration and it started with a division. Verse three, and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good. This is day one that we're talking about. Saw that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So we saw the first 24 hour uh, uh, period of restoration. And notice that there is conflict already. That's your next blank. Why? Because light and dark are divided. But now both are evident in creation. But there's a separation between them. And remember, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of, absence of light, isn't it? Uh, you can't generate darkness. Light can be generated. Light is a thing. Darkness is the absence of that thing called light, right? So Satan, and we again looked at this very carefully last week, uh, the light, John chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word creates everything that's made. And in the word, verse five, we find life, and the life is the light of men. And what's happening? The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness, the Bible said in John chapter one, comprehended it not, comprehendeth it not. Okay, what's happening there? That's, that word comprehend doesn't just mean to understand the outline this morning, I comprehend what you're saying, Pastor. Uh, no, we're not just talking about that. We're talking about something that you seize for yourself. It's something to lay hold on. It's something to come to and claim. Uh, comprehend is a big word in your Bible. Okay, the darkness, who is personified, notice the capitalization, the darkness refuses the light. So there is conflict. Now this brings us to day two. We're gonna make it, praise the Lord. Day two, verse six, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. <laughs> what, huh, huh, okay. Well, let's, let's break that down, okay? So what you're seeing in verse six is God makes a space, and we'll see that in just a second. Let there be a space in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So you've got now one body of water made into two bodies of water, and God made the space, the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. So you've got now heaven, right, the deep, whose face is frozen, but the earth 
standing in the water, out of the water, is completely destroyed. There are no, nothing is saved. You see that in Jeremiah chapter four. And so what God says is, I want a space in that water. So there's waters above and now there's waters on the earth. And we'll see what goes in that space in verse 16. Uh, he puts the entire cosmos in this space. So we're talking about a big room that God makes. And it was so. Verse eight says, and God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Now notice, uh, just pay attention to what's happening here in verses six through eight. Again, when God says it, that settles it. When God says it, it is. God says, let there be a space. Guess what? Nature submits, there's a space. And notice also that God doesn't miss, right? God doesn't make mistakes. God's method is to perfectly create Right? So don't miss that his method to create perfectly from nothing, the fact that it happens in no time the first time. On his first try, God hits a home run every time. You'll never see God say, well, I don't like how that turned out. So let's scratch that, let's try again. No, it's always 100% dead on the first time, every time. God hits the bullseye. That's not how men works, right? Uh, men, men love evolution because that's how we would do it all. Uh, just throw tons of time at dirt and we're gonna get Superman. Thomas Edison tried thousands of times. People, some people estimate over 10,000 times to build a light bulb. He did it over two years working to make a light bulb and he finally got one burning October 18th, 1879. It burned out in less than two days. Men do not measure up to the living God, do we? Okay, so let's talk about this Firmament. What it is is creation of space for the cosmos. That's your next set of blanks. I told you we were looking at big stuff this morning. Stay with me. He says, let there be a firmament. Let there be a space in the midst of the water. And so that's, that next blank is space is made. And we're not dealing with the earth yet. This is a division of the waters of the deep to make room for outer space, to make room for the cosmos. And we know this because God fills this space with the cosmos on day four. You read about that in verses 14 through 16. And uh, he's real subtle about it too. When God gives his word, it's like, oh yeah, and he made the stars also. So keep, you know, let's talk about life on earth. Uh, <laughs> infinity fits in that, fate, in that phrase. Uh, so let's, uh, let's bring our doodle back up. Uh, I've got another doodle. Uh, let's see if this, will, if this will work. Okay, so actually, you know what, we could use that one. Um, sorry, let me just go back. Okay, so let's make a little more room uh, with my, with my, uh, oh my goodness, I'm making a mess here. Hold on. Uh-oh. I'm just messing it all up. Okay, oh, you know what, I got a pen. Okay, so, so real quick, right, there's our deep. And we've got the, the earth in the deep, right? So what are we talking about? He says, let there be a firmament, okay? So let's make a space so that the waters are separate. So that's literally what we're describing, okay? And let me move that down, we'll make, you know, God's handling something the size of the universe and he was smoother than I am with this. Okay, do you get that? Let there be a space. Now waters, you see water, uh, can you zoom out, Tad, so they, I, I moved the planet down too far. So you, the, water's still, and the water's still covering the, the surface of the deep, okay? That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Um, I've got darkness on there. Uh, let's, uh, let's make that a little lighter. Um, let's put some let's put some light on there too. Okay, and uh, and you can still uh, that's just terrible. <laughs> that looks like somebody threw up on the. <laughs> let's just make it all. It's not the sun. It's just full daylight. We'll put a little green in there. There's some plant. There's some greenage. Oh, it's not it's not green yet. We haven't got to the green verse. <laughs> um, and we haven't divided the land. You know what? It's got to be it's got to be just straight solid blue, doesn't it? That's, that's it, I'm gonna get there, y'all. Ah, there we go, accurate representation. 
of planet Earth at this phase. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I know you wanted to applaud, but there it is. Okay, so that's, that's what we're seeing now. Now there's this space, and, and when, we get to, when we get to verse 16, all the stars, you know, the cosmos is gonna go in this area, and so we'll, we'll, we'll come up with a better way to present that when we get to day four. So, the, now we're past what Peter was talking about, the earth standing in the water, out of the water. Now there's a separation of the waters. God's divided them. And again, look at Job 38. Job 38. Again, God is saying, Job, you're talking without knowledge. Where were you when I set the whole ball of wax in motion? Where were you when I shut up, verse eight, the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? Uh, whenever I rolled back the, cla- the cataclysm, where were you? Where were you whenever I decreed the place of boundary, verse 10? So we're talking about day two in Job 38. Part of the waters are above. There's this space now for the universe. And then we find out that now there are more than one heaven. Look at Psalms 148, verse one. Praise you the Lord. Praise you the Lord from the heavens, plural. So there's more than one now from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all the stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them, Again, that's talking about the deep before the throne of God, isn't it? Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. So the rest of creation is at the bottom. Earth's new position is at the bottom of this firmament, this space. So God calls this space firmament. The word firmament means literally a beaten out expanse. I had to beat out some territory to put the universe in. That's the firmament. And notice the capitalization of heaven. Why? Because heaven is a literal place. You're living in one of them. (laughs) It's called the first heaven. You need to know this. There are three heavens in your Bible. And you see this very clearly in scripture. Let's start in Psalm 148. The first heaven, we're in it now. It's the earth's atmosphere. It's the physical space that we're dwelling in on planet earth. As a matter of fact, there is a kingdom grant, a literal kingdom land grant grant given to the nation of Israel in the Middle East. Whenever the Bible talks about it in Matthew's gospel, it describes it in terms of the kingdom of heaven. It's a literal physical kingdom that God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, uh, it has been promised to them forever. So it's described as the kingdom of heaven. Look at Psalms 148. Again, praise the Lord, verse seven. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons, all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts, and so just everybody praise the Lord, young and old, right? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name is excellent. His glory, watch this now, is above the earth and heaven. Uh, so that is another place where the physical earth is described as the first heaven. The second heaven is what you and I would call the cosmos or outer space. And I give you a lot of cross references for that, but check out Psalm 104. Verses one to six, again, it's a psalm of praise to God, who, verse two, covereth, right, who covereth thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. Again, he's laying the beams of his chambers in the waters. Okay, now again, the deists would describe this location as Asgard. That's not, again, I'm just trying to give you a mental picture of Mount Zion if you watched any of the Thor movies. How many saw the Thor movie? Has everybody watched Thor? No? Some of you, you're like, I'm, I don't want to admit it. Um, that, that, that would be kind of, that, that would be fine, a great way to, to, to illustrate it. You're covering yourself with light as with a garment, verse two, the Bible says. God has a place, okay, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers flaming fire. He laid the foundation of the earth that it should not be moved forever for thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. Okay, so we see that that deep has been divided and 
the second heaven will be the cosmos. The third heaven is the throne of God. Again, I give you several cross-references for that, but the two strongest points you can make are 2 Corinthians 12.1. Paul's talking about his trip to the third heaven. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. If there's a third heaven, that means there is a second heaven and a first heaven, right? He's caught up to the third heaven. Psalms 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. What is that describing? Well, a a city in the Middle East called Jerusalem. Everybody knows that. Hebrew tells you that the things on this earth are a shadow, just a shadow of a greater reality. And this is one of the terms for the the place of God's throne in the third heaven. It's Mount Zion the sides of the north. Now remember that God's throne, this third heaven, is before a large body of water, it's called the deep, and the face of the deep is frozen. You can go ice skating forever in the third heaven. Job 38 describes the deep this way. Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone. There's water there, but you can't get to the water because there is a stone in the way. The face of the deep is frozen, ice, right? Water when it's frozen, when it's ice, it's like a, it's like a stone, isn't it? You throw a, a cup of water at someone, if it's in its water form, they'll just get mad at you because you messed up their outfit, right? But if you put that thing, right, that, that, that glass of water below 32 degrees for a while and you throw it at someone, it's a war. I mean, that's just a whole nother level of wickedness. It's, it's still water either way, but now it's a stone. The face of the deep is frozen. Check out Revelation chapter four. It's beautiful, the throne. The place of God's throne is amazing. And then look at verse six. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. It's like a stone. Revelation 15, there it is again. I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. So God's throne is before the face of the deep. The top is frozen. It's called a sea of glass. It's called the crystal sea. Job 26, verse seven. Let's look at the other end of the cosmos. The Bible says that God stretcheth out the north over the empty place. Again, what is it? We've got a firmament. He stretches out his throne over the north. If you want me to point to the literal physical throne of God in the third heaven, I will literally point that way. It's due north, right? Just point your finger right past the north star and you're aiming in the vicinity of of the third heaven, the top of the universe. So he stretcheth out the north over the empty place, hangeth the earth upon nothing. Science just caught up with that just just a few hundred years ago. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne. You can't see the third heaven. You can't see the glory of Mount Zion. You can't see that, that infinite light because he's covered it with this stone. He has blocked it with the deep. He covers the face of his throne. He spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. Uh, there will come a time of eternal day and the deep will be gone. The pillars of the heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power. So there it is again. And so again, the deep divided to make space for the cosmos. We'll see that in verse 16. So you've got throne of God, the deep, the cosmos, and at the bottom of creation is the Milky Way. And in the Milky Way is planet Earth, okay? You, God is here, you are here, okay? Is everybody with me so far? You're like, Pastor, you're talking like a crazy person. Well, I, it, study the Bible, it's there. Truth is stranger than fiction, man. I mean, it, it is, it's wild, it's crazy. It's incredible. What do we get out of all that? Well, we just saw where heaven is and it's separate from the chaos. So here, get this down. There's always got, there must always be, there'll always have to be a division before heaven can be revealed. That's what we're seeing. There has to be a division 
before heaven can be revealed. So he calls the firmament heaven. Okay, we know that's talking about the cosmos, but don't miss the picture. I'm going to heaven when I die. Mark is in heaven right now. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. We had a wonderful time of worship together this morning. And there's a sense in which we joined with the host of heaven and, and we are seated together in heavenly places. But now Mark's faith has been made sight. And he is worshiping, right? Absent from the body on planet earth is to be present with the Lord in Mount Zion. And he is worshiping. There must be a division. And you can see that death, right, is a physical separation from this world. And now absent from the body is present in heaven with the Lord. This is critical because you have to be, right? We must be separated from the darkness of our sin, right? At some point, you have to show up to Calvary. You have to come out of the darkness to the light. You have to come out of the darkness of sin to the light of Christ. The call of God to his people, 2 Corinthians chapter six, is come out of the dark, come out, touch not the unclean thing. And what does he say? I will be your father. That's the promise of God. You, there, there has to be a separation before the light of heaven is revealed. Now very quickly, let's look at the firmament itself. The firmament, this is our second point for study. The firmament becomes the dominion of Satan. And uh, there's several references for that. One of the names of Satan is Leviathan. You read about that in Job 41. And he maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Uh, He is this Leviathan, is king over all the children of pride. His dominion is the deep. He's He's got a dominion at the top of creation. Isaiah 24 verse 21 calls him one of the high ones in that day, right? The Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. Christ, when he comes for the second advent, he will necessarily pass through this sea in the second advent. And you see hints of that, Habakkuk chapter three. Was thy wrath against the sea? Didst thou ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Um, When Christ comes back, he's seated on some form of cherub, Psalm 18. It's a white horse, that's what it is. You also need to know that this deep, this sea disappears after the final judgment. And you'll read about that at the end of your Bible in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. We looked at it in depth in 2 Peter chapter three. So there's a place now for this fallen cherub, Lucifer, who is now Satan, and he's got a dominion in the deep. And what we're gonna see in the rest of chapter one is God makes a creation, right? He restores the earth in six literal days, and then he replaces Satan and his stewardship, his dominion, with someone made out of dirt. Here is this pinnacle of God's creation, getting fired and being made from a mud ball. His replacement is made from a mud ball. You talk about, I mean, when God insults you, he goes first class, okay? (laughs) And so what we're gonna see is a battle to take dominion from Adam and his kingdom on earth so that Satan can be enthroned as the God of this world, like he's called in 2 Corinthians chapter four. You can't miss that, okay? So right now, in this phase of our story, Satan's got no place on this new creation, this restored earth, this earth that is brought into fullness in six literal days. There is no place for Satan in it. Uh, It is not his to run, it is not his to rule. He lost that position when he rebelled against the Most High. Is everybody with me so far? Okay, so don't miss that. Uh, This is why God makes this space, this firmament, this is why this is the only day in the Bible, right in Genesis chapter one, where God does not say that he saw it and that it was good. Why, because the second heaven is the domain of Satan. God says, you are now, light and dark are separated. You're stuck there, I'm doing something over here. You're fired. I had to make space for you because it's not time for Satan to be destroyed. So because it's this place of separation and Satan now has a place in that separation, in that firmament, God doesn't say it's good. Everything else that he does, it's good, it's good, it's good. He saw it and it was good. So. How do we make application from that? 
Isn't it interesting in the last days, just like in the first days, man is obsessed with outer space. Space, the final frontier. These are the, what? These are the voyages, not the chronicle of the voyages. I'm adding to it. These are the voyages, these are the voyages. Right, the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds and seek out new life and what? And new civilizations. Nerd! Nerd! <laughs> you just need to cut the whole line down. That's awesome, man. <laughs> How many Star Trek fans? Huh? How many, I'm with the nerd, man. How many know that Star Trek is superior to Star Wars in every way? Can I get an amen? I just split the church. Man. Man is obsessed with it, but here's what you need to know. Man has no business in it. That is not the dominion that God gave to us. And you see, man, I mean, just we'll get there. Genesis chapter 11, blow your mind. They're looking for a way to heaven without God. They're going to build a tower, and its top will reach to heaven. And God, in Genesis chapter 11, says that they can do it. They've got information, they've got technology that would make it possible for them to access heaven. And so God says, we've got to shut it down. Because nothing or whatever they set their mind to, they're going to pull it off. And so he confounds the languages at Babylon. You know, they're working on their, their, their launch sequences or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, they're working it out, how this thing's going to work. And, and pretty soon it's like, hey, Scott, uh, let's test the thrusters on, you know, whatever online. You know, we got this launch pad. We're going to reach the heaven. What, whatever the tech was, they're tested out. And, and, uh, and all I hear back from Scott is, <laughs> and I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you insulting me? You know how many fist fights broke out in Genesis chapter 11? <laughs> and then the nations divide. What God said, the heavens are not, for, I gave you a heaven and you dwell there. It is not time yet for us to be looking at the heavens. So he shuts it down. So get this down in your notes. Man, this is how we're wired. We obsess for those things that we cannot have. Did you ever recognize that about yourself? We obsess for the things that we cannot have. And brothers and sisters, we are living in the last days. Have you been watching the news? They're making plans to build bases on the moon and Mars, and they want to do it the next few years. What do you think God's thinking about all that? What do you think God's going to do over all of that? As it was, right, in the days of Noah, uh, history just keeps repeating itself. Okay, in the days of Noah, something is messing with the human genome. Guess what we're doing today? We can't mess enough with the human genome. What do you think God thinks about all of that? What do you think God's going to do about all of that? Can I just encourage you with something? Again, we, this was more technical, just trying to get the layout of the cosmos, trying to get our head around the layout of the cosmos in, in 45 minutes. Lord, help us. What do we, what do we get out of that concept? Can I just encourage you to focus on God now and then let him worry about giving you Star Trek later? Focus on the Lord now, on his righteousness, Matthew six thirteen. but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In eternity future, if God wants a moon base, if he wants a base on Mars or a planet in the Alpha Centauri system, well, you get to help with that. The question that is critical for you and I today is where does God have us today, right now? What has God put before you right now? Be faithful with that. I'm so grateful for the example of Mark Trotter. The things that God gave to him, he took them and he was faithful in his stewardship of them. I'm telling you, Mark is entering into a rich reward. There are thousands upon thousands of disciples all over the earth that know God better. Have Some of them know God because God used Mark in their life, okay? Be faithful with what God has before you right now, today. What do you need to quit obsessing over? We obsess for the things that we can't have. Psalms 37 verse four says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves right now. We're, we're about out of time. We've just got a moment before we have to dismiss. And I'm asking that nobody get up and be moving around. If somebody wants to come play, that's fine. But, but, but please, this is a time to examine our hearts, okay? So there's a kind of a neat thing. If you'll bow yourself, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, you can check your heart if you want. Is there something this morning that you need to quit obsessing over? Is there something that's out of bounds for you that God has not legitimately given you but, but you want it because you can't have it? And we're gonna see this is the thing that Satan does. He wants what does not belong to him and he's gonna rebel against God to get it. And the problem is, is it never works out. It does not work out. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I've got things in my life I'm pursuing and I know God does not have them for me. I know I need to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I know I need to quit pursuing my will and my way and I need to submit to the God of creation. He does all things well and whatever he wants for my life, that's what I need to want for my life. Is there anybody in that boat this morning that I can pray for you this morning? Pastor, please pray for me. Let me see your hands. Is there anyone like that? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. We've got several, yeah. Okay, so there's a number. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm not even sure I have a relationship with God. Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that God's my father. I don't know that, that I have a right relationship with God through Christ and his finished work at Calvary. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that here this morning? Please pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that God's my father. Is there anyone? Pastor, please pray for me. I'm gonna pray, and then we are gonna dismiss after I pray, okay? But we're gonna dismiss in an atmosphere of praise and worship. You're welcome to stay and sing if you want. If you need to go and set up your fellowship, you're welcome to do that. If you've got, if you've got chores that you need to accomplish, you're, you're welcome to do that. If you need to Go get, you, you need to be first in line to get that cup of coffee. Whatever, okay? There's liberty. But if, you, if God's dealing with your heart and if you need somebody to pray with you, counsel with you, maybe you've got a question about what we talked about this morning, uh, come on, we wanna talk to you. We wanna help you any way that we can, all right? Father, uh, you see all of the hands and you see, most importantly, where each of us is at in our life. And we're either submitted to your perfect will or we're fighting against it and we want what we want, the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. And Lord, it's the spirit of Antichrist. Lord, help us to small ourselves and and recognize you are the mighty God of creation. And you have the end completely figured out from the beginning. Lord, help us to trust and obey. Lord, help us to submit to learning and knowing your word. God, help us to see that nothing is more important than that. God, we need to seek you first. We need to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. And then the things that we think we need, Lord, we can trust you to lead us in the provision of that. And so, Father, I pray for for your grace, for for some repentance this morning. Uh, But, Lord, also, I pray that we'd we'd be a people that would get full of faith and, and, Lord, see that, You've placed us where you've placed us. You've given us what you've given us uh, so that you might be greatly glorified in and through our lives. Help us to see that you really do all things well and what a blessing it is to be in the middle of your plans for our life. And I ask this all in Christ's name, amen.